Welcome to the Sports Bros Podcast, featuring the almighty B-Live, the money man, Scotty D, and your host, the head of creative, Eddie Cool. And without any further ado, here they are, the Sports Bros. What's going on, world? This be your boy, Eddie Cool, a.k.a. the HOC here at the Sports Bros Podcast. Just want to let you guys know, myself and the almighty B-Live, right now we're in sunny Southern California, San Diego to be exact, for, of course, me, my graduation weekend. Got some friends here, got some family here. It's going to be a good time. But we did not forget about our listeners this week. No, we didn't. It's a little late this week, but we got you covered. And right now... We got the Money Man Scotty D with a special edition of the Sports Bros Podcast. This is Scott's Thoughts. Check it out. Take it away, Scotty D. Hey, 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 sports fans. Welcome to the Sports Bros Podcast. This is the Money Man, Scotty D, and this is a very special episode of the Sports Bros Podcast. This is the Scott's Thoughts Solo Edition. That's right, I'm flying solo today. My bros are not with me. Uh, B-Live and Eddie Cool are out auditioning for the Ice Capades, uh, so they were not going to be with us here today. Please give me a chance. I'm still going to talk some sports with you, so please don't, don't. Shut off the radio yet, or shut off the the podcast just yet, because uh, I got some cool stuff to say, some cool stuff to share with you. But um, in reality, Eddie Cool has just um, received his degree, or is about to receive his diploma from Ashford University. That is an online nonprofit university based out in San Diego, and he wanted to go out and re- receive his diploma, so he is traveling. And uh, if, for those of you who don't know the the backstory here of the Sports Bros, but Eddie Cool and B Live are lifelong friends, and uh, B Live is joining him to celebrate uh, such a incredibly big moment in his life, and um, so congratulations to Eddie on that. But these two guys and uh, their third partner in crime, Jr. They used to come into Overtime Sports Cafe years ago. Rest in peace, Overtime. They used to come into Overtime years ago. On Friday nights when I was the MC for karaoke at Overtime. And these guys, they were always cool. They were the life of the party and they were a lot of fun and um, always liked having them in there. Well, as time goes on and life happens and people go their own ways, you know, I don't I don't see these these guys really except on Facebook, maybe occasionally if they're in town visiting. But I was starting to notice last year on Facebook, Eddie was putting up different posts regarding sports much like we do now on our Facebook, Sports Bros Facebook page. And uh, I was like, man, Eddie, he's really got a bad for sports. I mean, he's just like me. He just watches everything, and he's just 100% all in on it. So I sent him a message and said, yeah, it'd be really cool one day if you and I could get together and talk some sports and possibly do a podcast together. And he, he was down for the idea, but... Later in the year, around the holidays last year, he lost his mother, and uh, he needed some time. And fast forward a couple months later, he gets back to me and says, you know, I'd like to bring B-Live into this. And, of course, I knew that dude's got all kind of personality and charisma. So I was like, yeah, let's let's do it. So that's kind of how we got this whole thing uh, started. Uh, that's how we got together. 
um, and the Sports Bros podcast was born. And uh, I just wanted to congratulate Eddie and uh, and also B-Live because these guys have come a long way and uh, in their journey. And I'm proud of both guys. I'm I'm happy to be their partners. And uh, best of luck to you. Have a safe trip and, and a fun time out there on the West Coast. Now, having said that, let's move on to a little bit of sports. A um, lot to talk about right now as uh, the college football season is, is in full swing. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in the NFL this this past weekend, this past week actually, and uh, of course this is a great time of year because on top of all that, you've got the baseball playoffs, and that, that's what I kind of want to start off with a little bit. Just quickly wanted to uh, hit on what's going on with baseball. So, I mean, this seems like a long time ago at this point, but you know the wild card game is something that I absolutely hate. As far as the finality of a one-game season, you know, you play, you play 162 games, and you do it in series after series after series, and you're the Oakland A's, and you win 97 games, and you lose one, and your season is done. I just, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I watched that happen to the Pirates, as you know, I'm a Pirate fan. I watched that happen to them three years in a row, where they had to go to the wild card, and twice they lost, and. It just really messes up a, a, what can be a great season. Uh, I I know it's 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 easy to say. Well, we'll go win your division, but I mean the A's won ninety seven games, the Rays won ninety four. So both those teams are in the wild card. The A's can't get it done. The Rays are hot right now. They have actually you know they <laughs> they're forcing their way into a game five with Houston, which. Anything can happen in a game five, as we all well know. And then on the other side, you had the Nats and the Brewers, and the Brewers had that game pretty much in control. And then uh, late in the game, Trent Grissom, their rookie right fielder, uh, he had the goat moment. And I felt bad for that kid for that goat moment. Uh, Juan Soto hits a ball that lands in front of him, and I swear it looked like that ball checked up like a golf ball on a green. And it took a weird spin and a weird hop under his glove. Not only did the tying run score, but the winning run came in. And uh, Trent Grissom fitted for the goat horns. And that's too bad because he was actually a very important part of that team down the stretch when Yelich got hurt. So now um, into the playoffs. Yankees take care of business as they always do with the Twins. Uh, We have the Cardinals and Braves set up for Game 5. The Dodgers and Nationals for Game 5. It's super exciting. Uh, Once again... I just want to talk about this real quick before I move on. You know, I watch the majority of the West Coast teams this time of year. I watch Clayton Kershaw year after year, and the guy just doesn't doesn't dominate, doesn't get it done in the postseason. I don't know what's going to happen in Game 5, but I know in Game 2, he was the starter, and he took another loss. He gave up three runs in the first two innings. I think he only went six innings. And again, I just I don't see the uh, the greatness that everyone declares, at least the media declares, when they dub Clayton Kershaw one of the best pitchers of our generation. Uh, if you ask me, uh, Verlander, despite having a rough night on three days rest in Game Four against the Rays, I still think Verlander is the pitcher of our generation, and Max Scherzer right now he he's not too far behind, and we'll see how that shakes out. The the three game fives, Cardinals, Braves, Dodgers, Nationals, and the Rays 
trying to pull the big upset against the Astros. All right, um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, also, college football this past week, uh, we saw Clemson and Bama taking a rest. Uh, so not much to talk about there, B-Live and Uncle Max, as far as the, uh, Clemson and Bama. Uh, they're back on track this week. But we saw number three, Georgia, take the Tennessee Volunteers to the woodshed. Uh, Ohio State handled Sparty 34-10. The Jalen Hurts Heisman push continued. Oklahoma blasted Kansas 45-10, and Jalen Hurts had 228 yards, two touchdowns in the air, two more on the ground. He's making his case for yet another Oklahoma quarterback to get a Heisman. Perhaps the most significant game of the weekend, Florida ran their record as 6-0. They knocked off Auburn in the swamp. I actually thought Auburn was a better team, but uh, Florida got it done, and they will move on this weekend for another SEC battle. They're taking on LSU on Saturday night. The NFL, man, <laughs> just when you think the stories are uh, are done for the week on Sunday night, Jay Gruden wakes up, uh, ha- has a meeting at 5 a.m., and he is done as the coach of the Redskins first thing on Monday morning. Um, that was probably long overdue. Evidently, the rumblings are that Pittsburgh Steeler head coach Mike Tomlin could be in line to to maybe even be traded to the Redskins. I'm not sure how Pittsburgh fans are going to feel about that. I think a lot of them are ready for the change. I'm not sure how Washington fans will feel about that, bringing in Tomlin. But uh, definitely a, a shakeup and a change was necessary for the Redskins um, as they they dropped to 0-5 on Sunday afternoon. Uh, in the meantime, the the Saints keep rolling without Drew Brees. They're 3-0 without or 3-0 with. Teddy Bridgewater. Kyle Allen continues to impress, winning games for the Carolina Panthers. Um, the 49ers destroyed the Browns 31-3 to on Monday Night Football. Brownies, what are you doing? I mean, you just you, you're I mean, you're not even in the game here. Uh that actually brings up what I think is probably at this point in the season, the most interesting division in the NFL. That is the NFC West. The 49ers are 4 and 0 for the first time since 1990. In the meantime, Seattle edged the Rams 30 to 29 on the Thursday night game. That's the Rams' second straight loss. That's your Super Bowl representative from a year ago. That um that win was big for Seattle and that division at this point that looks up for grabs. I really I really coming into the season thought that the Rams were uh, going to just continue to roll like they did last year. I was super impressed last year with with Sean McVay, and um, so a- after two straight losses, I mean, it's early in the season, but they just don't look like the dominant team that they were a year ago. And then, of course, the big one of the weekend, the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. Um, as a Cowboy fan, I'm completely devastated to see them lose yet again two weeks in a row here. Um, they have beaten three lousy teams and lost to two playoff caliber teams, which brings us back to mediocrity, which is the trademark of Jason Garrett teams uh, since he's been there. It was no surprise to see Aaron Rodgers come to Dallas and win. He always does. Uh, Aaron Jones gashed the Cowboys for four touchdowns, and at the end of three quarters, the Cowboys are down 31-3. to three. They have no one to blame but themselves. Now, 
They've got a little bit of problem. They need to work on stopping the run. That, that's been a problem going back to the Rams playoff game they had last year. They lost to the Rams in the divisional. Uh, the offense has sputtered until the fourth quarter when they got desperate and started finally slinging it around. Um, Dak Prescott looks weak again, as he did in the first half of last season before Amari Cooper got there. Um, this year, n- not sure what the, uh, the, the problem is other than just maybe... N- not having the complete skill set that he is leading Jerry Jones to believe as he's asking for that big old contract. But uh, the Cowboys definitely, they have some work to do. Um, if they're going to prove to be a, a, an elite team, right now they just don't look elite. They were 3-0 and and ready to put the division away, and now they are tied with Philadelphia and only a one-game lead on the Giants. Now, before I get into this next little section... Please do not mistake what I am about to say. If you heard what I said a moment ago, the Cowboys, down 31-3, to have no one to blame but themselves. However, I'm not only talking about the game I watched on Sunday, but many games I've watched across the NFL this season. The referees are absolutely dominating. I can't stand it. Troy Aikman doesn't like it. Tom Brady doesn't like it. My dad doesn't like it. The fans are getting sick of it. But there are penalty flags flying. The referees, I, I, I can't ever remember, and maybe it's league mandated, but I can't ever remember them throwing so many flags. Now, <laughs> you saw Jason Garrett get mad, slam his red flag down. That actually, that that actually hurt the Cowboys. They were in a position where they were they had some momentum, were trying to build, and. The pass interference call against Michael Gallup did not get called, led to an interception. Green Bay is already in field goal range. They put the game away. Now, that one, you know, a year ago that wouldn't even been an issue because you couldn't challenge pass interference calls. But they had already uh, had to use two challenge flags prior to that. I'm just, I'm starting to get tired watching the referees become so involved in the game. And it's not even just a Cowboys game. I, I watched. Well, actually, the week the week before, I watched Dak Prescott take a slide against New Orleans. Their defender jumps over Dak, barely touches him, and they throw a flag on him. So the Cowboys got 15 yards, and I was mad about that. I just don't like every single thing being called. Uh, very touchy penalties. I watched a, a situation in the Redskins-Patriots game where the Redskins defender is running side-by-side side with a Patriots defender, turns to play the ball, makes contact, and they throw a flag on him. Now, the Redskins, Jay Gruden, he, he used to be the coach of the Redskins. He throws his, his flag once the challenge pass interference, and as I'm watching it, I turn to my friend, I said, absolutely no way that's getting changed, not, not against the Patriots. And, of course, I was right. I don't know what the NFL can do about it at this point because I know that the referees have been instructed to throw, to to be more aware and throw flags on holding, offensive pass interference, all these things. I just feel like they're getting year in and year out. They're they're being told to watch more and more things and and play it close. But come on, man! I mean, not every single play. Can you call holding? You can't call pass interference every time a guy touches another guy. I mean, these guys are out there fighting for position, and it happens. And the referees are are taking away the flow of the game. They're making the games less interesting. 
And it's just getting harder and harder to watch. And I hope something's going to be done about it because this season is just, it's a drag watching some of these games whenever you're, you're watching 10, 10 or so flags thrown on each team. It's getting bad. Roger Goodell, do something. All right, that's just about all I got to say about the NFL for the week. Um, this point in the show, this is what we like to call our favorite part of the show, the choices of the voices. That's right, our favorite part of the show. So this past week, I asked, what was your most exciting World Series moment? The most uh, excited you've ever been watching the World Series, the, the moment, your most memorable moment, so to speak. And I uh, had a couple nice answers from our our uh, our faithful out there. Uh, Pete Talansky, uh, terrible Pete Talansky, he mentioned the Kirk Gibson home run in 1988, and that was actually the the picture that I had posted on our our Facebook page when Kirk Gibson hit the home run in Game One to win the game for the Dodgers of the '88 World Series over Oakland. But he also cited that the following year. The 1989 World Series, Game Three. The, game Three was the uh, the earthquake that happened when the Giants were playing the A's. The the uh, Bay City, the, the Bay earthquake, and um, he said it was very memorable just to be watching an earthquake as that happened. That was history in the making. Uh, so good answer there. Thank you to our buddy Pete, uh, Uncle Max. He also liked the Kirk Gibson home run, but he said he he saw Reggie Jackson play in Birmingham when he was a kid. He and his dad went to see the Birmingham A's. So Reggie had a special place in in his heart, and he uh, fondly remembers the three home runs uh, he hit in the '77 World Series against the the uh, the Dodgers. And it was on three pitches, if I'm not mistaken. I think he hit the first pitch out three times in a row. Uh, Joel Turner, another one of our uh, newer guys, he he also cited that, and Kirk Gibson as his memorable moments. Uh, Trey Duke. He just clowned us. He said something stupid, so um, he doesn't like baseball. Uh, Jeff Stiles, one of my uh, old fraternity brothers from back in Cal UPA, he mentioned the Joe Carter home run that put an end, the walk-off end of the 1993 World Series off of the wild thing, Mitch Williams with the Phillies. So Joe Carter's home run gives the Blue Jays the World Series championship in 1993. Um, that was their second in a row, back-to-back. Uh, as for the sports bros, so Eddie Cole, he talked about his his World Series moment was uh, the 2016 Game 7. That was the rain delay game between the Cubs and the Indians. Now, neither, neither of those teams had won a World Series in like 2,000 years. And Araldus um, Chapman came out in that game and uh, gave up uh, – I think he ended up getting the win, but he gave up the a tying home run late and went into the rain delay, and everybody went to bed, and when they woke up the next day, the Cubs were the champions. Uh, B-Live. Now, B-Live, he's a, uh, he's a victim of slogans. He likes to say, chop on and keep pounding, and he, he spells his college team. Uh, you know, all roads lead to Dabo. Um, he cited as a chop-on guy the 1995 World Series. Uh, I, I'm not going to make fun of the Braves because they got to the postseason every year for like 100 years in a row. Uh, they just didn't win, but in 1995 they did. And in Game 5, Tom Glavin pitched eight scoreless innings and won uh, with a 
Dave Justice solo home run in the sixth inning. That one nothing score held up. Mark Waller's got the save. Uh, and B-Live said Marquise Grissom catching the final out. That was a super exciting moment for him as far as his most exciting World Series moment. Uh, very understandable, B-Live. I got your brother, Braves fan. I can't, I can't hate on that answer. Um, as for me, the Dodgers' Kirk Gibson home run, <clears throat> I actually feel somewhat silly mentioning it this way, but um, I didn't see it. And I was out with my buddies. And if I'm not mistaken, in the first inning, Jose Canseco hit a grand slam for Oakland. And I thought the A's were just going to roll the Dodgers in that World Series. They were the best team for like three straight years during that era. And uh, I remember I walked up the porch into my house. And when I walked in, Kirk Gibson had just scored. The game had just ended uh, not even maybe a minute or two prior to that. And I'm watching the replays of it. And like, oh, I missed such an incredible moment. So I can't pick that one. Um, I do remember when I was, um, I think I had been 13 years old, the game six of the 1986 World Series, I was completely enthralled. I'm a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, and I also like the Yankees, but I was completely enthralled at that young age with Gary Carter and Daryl Strawberry and Keith Hernandez and Dwight Gooden. Man, that Mets team was just uh, like a once-in-a-lifetime kind of team. And so I was really excited watching their games. And I can remember when uh, Gary Carter came up to make the final out of the World Series. I was sad because I loved Gary Carter. And he got a hit. And then Kevin Mitchell got a hit. And then you know how it goes. Bill Buckner's got a uh, ground ball rolling between his legs. So that was that was one that I considered. But here's the one for me. And because it, it was <laughs> not that I was involved. But well, here here's here's what I'm talking about. In 2001, following the 9-11 attacks, the Yankees were playing the Diamondbacks, and um, the first two games, the Diamondbacks handled the Yanks, from what I remember, pretty pretty easily. Game three, the Yankees win, um, and they're down two games to one. And then game four, in the ninth inning, they're down three to one, and Tina Martinez hits a two-run home run. They go to extra innings, and in the 10th inning, Derek Jeter hits a two-out home run to win the game. And it was technically November. And they were jokingly referring to him as Mr. November. But I remember Young Young Kim was the reliever that the Diamonds, Diamondbacks had brought in. And he blew the game. And, of course, Yankee Stadium is just blown up. They're going crazy. They tied it 2-2. Well, the following night, the following game, the Yankees again are down late in the game, in the, in the, I believe it was the ninth inning again, and Byung Young Kim comes in once again. I was watching this game at a bar with some friends, and I said to the bartender, will you please give me a Scott Brocious celebratory home run beer? And Scott Brocious, on the next pitch, hit the ball out of the park, and the we're tied, and then the Yankees went on to win that game in the 12th inning on an Alfonso story on a home run. But to see them do the same thing two nights in a row at home, it just felt like there was magic in the air. You know, the 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 reason they were playing in November is because of the delay following the nine eleven attacks. You know, their baseball missed. I think they they didn't play for like a week or so, so everything was later, and it just felt at that point like it was the Yankees' destiny to come back and win that whole thing for that city for that whole deal. It was just so exciting. 
Ultimately, it didn't work out that way. Uh, Rivera got beat in Game 7, and the Diamondbacks won the won the World Series that year. But for those two games, Games 4 and Game 5 of the 2001 World Series, those are my most exciting moments. Just watching Tina Martinez tie that game up in Game 4 and then Jeter walk uh, running the bases after hitting his opposite field home run. Uh, th- those, to me... Because it had so much meaning with the tied into the nine eleven attacks, that for me was the most exciting World Series moments for me personally, the money man. Um so thank you guys again for your participation in the choices of the voices. Um I'm gonna piggyback off of what I said earlier. Trent Grissom, the rookie outfielder for the Brewers said he got fitted for goat horns he was like the goat of the game for for milwaukee unfairly so but uh so that brings me to next week's question but what is the biggest goat moment that you have ever seen not just in baseball but in any sport uh, a moment that stands out in your mind where a player made a gaffe or a mistake that that uh the world watched and they'll probably always be remembered for um fairly or not I even mentioned the Bill Buckner situation earlier. That could maybe be one of yours. That's a that's a goat moment uh, to the late great Bill Buckner. But that's your question for the week, there, gang. What who, what is the biggest goat moment that you ever witnessed in sports? All right, that brings us to the final segment of the the podcast. Here, this is a little something that we like to call pepper. Uh, I guess I'll be doing all three pepper points. So if you're still with me out there, if you're still hanging in with me, I greatly appreciate it. Um, So here is my final round of pepper. All right, for the third time in a month, I watched a boxing match that got me pretty excited. This week it was Gennady Golovkin versus Sergey, forgive me for butchering this, Devinchenko. Uh, This was for the vacant IBF-IBO middleweight title, um, Triple G Dropped Devinchenko, we'll call him that. He dropped him in the third round, or actually in the first round, and then he cut him really badly with a headbutt in the third round, and that dude got fired up. Uh, If it wasn't for the 10-8 round in the first, um, who knows, Triple G may have, uh, actually I think he would have gone to a draw uh, or a loss, but that sets Triple G up now for another match with Canelo Alvarez. Canelo... And he they had a draw in the first round, and then Canelo controversially won the rematch. So they could be headed for a trilogy, Triple G and Canelo. My second pepper point, following the 49ers drubbing of the Browns on Monday night, Richard Sherman claims that Baker Mayfield, prior to kickoff, snubbed him. Claimed that when, they, when the captains were on the field, he wouldn't shake hands. He kind of ran off after the coin toss and was disrespectful. He said it was Bush League. He said it was against NFL etiquette. I agreed. It sounded like it was very immature. And then I saw a video that showed Baker Mayfield shaking hands with Richard Sherman prior to the kickoff. At this point, that's not even a story anymore. Come on, Richard Sherman. Let it go. Done with that. All right, my final pepper point. In the UFC pay-per-view on Saturday night, Israel Adesanya took on Robert Whitaker. I actually was a little bit a little bit uh, leaning towards Whitaker winning this fight. It wasn't even close. 
Adesanya dropped him with one second left in the first round, and then he knocked him out in the second round, and he made it look easy against a great fighter. He had a great entrance, and ladies and gentlemen, the UFC has themselves a new superstar. His name is Israel Adesanya. Well, gang, um, I appreciate you staying with me through this abbreviated version of the Sports Bros podcast. Again, uh, I want to thank all of our listeners. Um, please keep keep up with us on Facebook. Each week we'll be posting the, uh, the Choices of the Voices question, and you can respond to us on there. Uh, also, just whatever fun, random things happen throughout the week. Uh, Be Live is very creative. Eddie's very creative. They're they're way ahead of me when it comes to creativity, and they always put some cool stuff up on our Facebook page. So make sure you follow us on Facebook, and uh, uh, just keep hanging with us, guys. We greatly appreciate everyone sticking with us. We're up to oh upper twenties now episodes. I'm not sure what the number is exactly. Eddie knows that stuff. And again, he's not here. He's out graduating. Him and B Live uh traveling the globe. Um trying out for the ice capades. And uh I miss you two bros and I'll be talking with you guys very soon. And uh for everyone else, thanks for listening to the Sports Bros podcast. Remember God loves you and so do I. <laughs>